Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Hey, welcome back everyone to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Steve Throney. He's a certified master athletic administrator and he's the director of athletics at Millard South High School in Omaha, Nebraska. Steve, welcome to the program. Jake, thanks for having me. It's exciting. You got your show's a fantastic show that I've been following all summer here. And so it's, it's great to have a couple minutes to sit down and talk with you. Uh, well, I consider that high praise indeed, sir. Thank you. Uh, well, you know how busy the life of an AD is, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us your story, where you grew up, um, you know, where you went to school, your sports background, and, and maybe how that kind of got you into uh, your first uh, teaching and coaching job. You bet. Uh, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I had a brother and a sister, and my, my mom was a single mother and working multiple jobs. So I did a lot of unorganized sports as a youth. And then in our middle school, we used to have our ninth graders, it was six, seven, or pardon me, seven, eight, nine. So as a ninth grader, as a freshman in high school, I was still at the middle school. Um, and so those practices, I was a basketball player, tall, lanky kid. And so uh, my main sport at organized sports was, was basketball. And uh, as a ninth grader, uh, I didn't play because after school is when I did my paper route. Back in the day, some of us had to have a job and paper route was what I did. So I didn't play, uh, not freshman basketball. And then my, uh, my science teacher at that school reached out to the high school coach and said, hey, this kid needs to be playing. And then the high school coach, who was Aldi Johnson, a Hall of Famer in Nebraska, reached out to me and put me on a summer league team. And from there, uh, I started playing for the high school team. And a couple of years later, I was a key part of a varsity team and played two years at the varsity level for him. And then uh, I went on to Tarkio College, which is in an NAIA school in Tarkio, Missouri. Yep. Played there for three years, loved it. I uh, was studying to be a teacher. always wanted to be a teacher and a coach. Um, after my, my uh, Tarkio actually closed down. Yep. And so midway through my career. So I finished at Nebraska Wesleyan, got my teaching degree, didn't play anymore there. Started a family. Uh, my first job was in Nebraska City which is a little tiny small town um, in Nebraska, and it was a small Catholic school. We had about, uh, we were, we'd be a 1A school. We had probably most of the time anywhere from 15 to 25 kids in a graduating class. Um, and so I was there for 10 years, coached everything. That was one of those, uh, one of those things, the job that I applied for was girls basketball, assistant football, uh, head track, and then when Father Johnson called me, who was one of the, one of, the, one of my big mentors back in the day, as I 
he called and said, hey, for 496 bucks, you're going to be the bus driver. You're going to coach girls basketball. And he kept going. They said, well, hold on. Did you say I'm going to coach or drive a bus? He goes, yep, you'll be driving a bus. You need to get your CDL. So I did everything there at the Catholic school and at the small school, which as I look back, is probably one of the most important things I ever did because I learned that, you know what, you got to do a lot of things. You got to pitch in in that community piece. Um, I was there for 10 years, loved every minute, didn't want to leave. But then uh, a teaching and coaching job came open at Millard South High School, which would be like a four or five A school. Right now we've got over 2,500 students. Uh, my buddy was the Hall of Fame coach here. He said, I'm going to retire. I think this would be a great job for you. It has that small town community feel in a big school setting. I think you'd love it. And he was right. Came here and I taught and coached for, for seven years. Loved every minute, didn't. But I started to do my administrative uh, master's degree uh, through Doan College. It was a cadre. And, and after that, I wasn't sure that I was going to go be an administrator at that time. I was just, I love teaching and coaching. Um, but uh, I, I got offered a job at Sergeant Bluff Luton High School in Iowa. Um, and then after a week of deliberating, where my wife said, What are you doing? Why are you not taking this job? Because it would have been a substantial pay raise. I finally decided to go to Sergeant Bluff Luton High School and be an AD, assistant principal AD. And I did that for three years. The job at Millard South opened back up as, as an assistant principal AD, where I really wanted to be my whole time. And so I came back here and I've been in this role now for, for seven years, uh, going on eight next year. And, and I'm assistant principal activities director and love every minute of it. You know, as you do this business and as you meet people, it's, it's funny, the, the little points of commonality. Uh, you know, you are, we're talking to you today because, you know, you uh, worked with one of our uh, previous guests, Jessica Upchurch, uh, down in Florida. Uh, you mentioned Tarkio. Uh, I coached um, at Missouri Valley College uh, back in the 90s, and there were a number of people who had attended uh, Tarkio. Uh, so there's not that many people that, uh, that bring up Tarkio in conversation. So uh, that's kind of cool. No doubt about it. It's a small world, as you find out. You touched on mentors, and that's something that we always like to uh, explore a little bit. Um, who were some of your key mentors uh, as a student athlete, uh, as a young coach, that you can still hear their voice, uh, their encouragement uh, today when you do your job? I think the biggest one for me would be my high school social studies teacher, who was also my high school basketball coach, Aldi Johnson. Uh, coach Johnson was a was a perfect example of a servant leader, not just as a teacher and a coach, but as a husband and in his community. And so he taught me, you know, the, he would say stuff all the time that was a kid you'd make fun of. And then as you become older, you realize that he was really dropping wisdom on you. And, and the one thing was, he said, you, if you want to be successful, you have to outwork people. At the bottom line is you have to be willing to work and you have to outwork people. And so he'd always say, if you're going to be a ditch digger, be the greatest ditch digger there ever was. And so that was something that, that I never, never forgot. And the other thing that he said, he had two other things was one, one was um, be good to people. If you're good to people, people will be good to you. And then the last thing was build relationships that last. And those are the three keystones, that, the, the cornerstones to what he taught me and that I've tried to use within my own life. And it served me well. Uh, another one would be my college coaches who, uh, who taught me how to compete and work hard every day and not in just the basketball arena, but in life and, and they, they pushed me beyond the limits that I thought I ever could do. And so Chip Parsley and Mike Beer were two guys that were fantastic and they had a big impact. But along the way, you know, there was a ton of teachers. You know, my grandfather was a big guy like myself. And so out of fear for most of it, I was, I was fearful of him. But he taught me, you know what, you got to be willing to work. And I think that, that's what my whole cornerstone of who I am right now is I'm willing to work. And I think that helps me be successful. 
Oh, no, it's very key, those family and professional people. Uh, I know growing up, I worked for my dad and uh, hated every second of it, but uh, he did teach me uh, the value of a work ethic, uh, as did some coaches, but they taught it in a different way. So that weaving of family and professional experience is just so critical. Um, you've been at Millard South uh, now in different capacities for a number of years. So I'm always curious to uh, find out how has the job of athletic director changed from, you know, say 15, 20 years ago to what your daily routine is now? How's the job changed? I, I think there's so many more elements to it now. I, I think I think back to my own high school days, I, I don't remember the athletic director. We were in a big school too. I don't remember the athletic director having a direct impact on me very much. Um, but now, now there's so many other factors. Um, you have the, the club element that you're dealing with and have to work well with and partner with. You also have the new digital media. You have social media. You have all these different things that we didn't have growing up that you have to find a way to make work for you and not work against it. Um, I, I think there's, there's a lot more um, social-emotional that you have to do now that you never had to do. And I think coaching has changed a little bit. You know, I think back to the, a lot of the coaches I had, they were transactional. And, and they were strong transactional coaches. And, and I responded to that, but not all kids do. So now we're working our, our coaches to be more transformational and understanding the kid more and, and, and working with that kid's heart and then getting that connection so that you can be a little bit transactional when you need to, but that at the end of the day, that kid knows you care about them. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, you and I have, you know, taken the same LTI courses, you know, we go to the same workshops and uh, I think it's that balance between, you know, that old school, you know, come on, Billy, suck it up. And, you know, realizing that kids uh, have other options these days and, and they don't, they need the sports experience, but they don't know that they need it. And so convincing them, you know, through the transactional uh, relationships, you know, that's how they're going to, you know, reap those benefits. So great stuff. Um, Let's talk a little bit about COVID. It's, it's here, it's not going away. Um, what are some things that you did at Millard South this past spring to keep your kids and teams and coaches connected? And what are some things that you guys are doing in Nebraska um, as far as reopening? And, and, you know, the caveat, we understand that, you know, the, the approach across the United States is, you know, completely different from state to state. Some are delaying, some are full speed ahead. Uh, my own state of Florida, we are all over the board. Uh, so, uh, you know, we understand that uh, this might just be Nebraska only. So what are some things you did last spring? And then how are you approaching uh, the fall season? You know, some things last spring that we did, uh, we did some things where we tried to connect, obviously, like everybody else through Zoom and stay connected and some coaches did a really good job with that and, and then I was doing some coaches meetings each week where I would be available so we can answer some of the questions that we could answer because it was always it was, it, was, it was such a fluid situation so it was always changing even now as we know every day is a new day and you like right this morning we put together another plan for what the start of school is going to look like on August 10th that could change tomorrow so we know that and so that's been the hardest part um the our coaches and, and athletes have done a great job. We've been lucky that we haven't had a, a, a kid test positive or a coach test positive this summer. I think the practices and the due diligence of our coaches and our athletes to do the things that we've told them to do to try to be 
to protect themselves has helped. Uh, and they, they followed those guidelines. And, and, and obviously, I still think there's some luck involved because their kids are club going club stuff and going out of town and coming back. And so um, we, we have seen some some cases outside of us that, that they had some encounters with, but they didn't get the virus. So um, I think the biggest thing is we don't have any answers. And that's been the biggest struggle. You know, you can look at science, you can look at stats, you can whatever you want to go find, you can go find and put it whatever direction you want to go. And we've seen that. Uh, I, I think that's been the most difficult, you know, but just trying to stay. My mantra the whole time has been really simple. I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to keep moving forward. And, and when our coaches or myself, we get frustrated. I just keep telling myself, we got to stay positive. We got to keep moving forward. And that's the goal with the reopening of school. Uh, we've changed now on, on August 10th. We were supposed to come back full. Everybody here now we're going to offer some remote and we're going to offer some in person. And the first week's going to be 25% students. Now, obviously that could change before we get there because um, our cases are on the uptick a little bit too. Um, but I, I think right now being an old PE guy too and a coach, you know, flexibility is huge. You have to be, if you're, if not, you're going to, uh, your heart rate's going to go way up and it's not going to come down. So trying to be flexible and understanding that this is just something we all got to get through and trying to keep people positive about the situation too. And that old motto, adapt, improvise, and overcome. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's all we can do. Um, staying serious um, on our next topic. Uh, this past spring, you know, the events um, in Minneapolis uh, and across the country uh, certainly brought a heightened awareness of, you know, the social issues that, uh, you know, not kids, but our, our whole society is dealing with. From your perspective, what are some things that we can do as athletic directors to, to just simply do a better job as we move forward? Well, I think the first thing is we've got to educate ourselves. And when I, when we, whenever we say that, we think, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm checking podcasts. I'm watching Twitter, social media. I'm, I'm different, getting different input. But really what we have to do is we have to go to sources that are going to tell us stuff that, that make conversations uncomfortable. And I think as a white male, I need to put myself in situations with people of diversity that can educate me on what I'm missing and what I don't understand. And, and I'm doing that also by reading various, I'm reading a book right now uh, called White uh, Fragile Team. It's, it's, it's got a perspective I never had thought about. And so I'm reading that. I've, I watched a couple podcasts that are going to help me form how I'm going to to approach this with our students as we come back in the fall, with our student leadership groups, with our athletes, with our students, on how I'm going to approach those situations because they are going to come to the forefront when we get back in school even more, and rightly so. We have to have these tough conversations and we have to be willing to listen, to learn, and to understand because I, don't, I think that's where people get in trouble. We jump to conclusions. And I think one of the best pictures I've seen all summer was the, the Black Life Matters. When people hear that, sometimes they think right away that we're talking about that other lives don't matter. It was a picture of fist, and some people see that when they hear Black Life Matters, they see a black fist above everybody else's fist. But really what it is is that the Black Lives fist is at the same level as everyone else. And to me, that just, just was an eye-opener to that's what we're talking about. We're making sure that equality is the key to what we're going to practice going forward and we should be practicing, which I feel like I do practice, but I need to do a better job. And so that's, that's the picture that I always think of when I, when I hear Black Lives Matter now and understand it's not about 
somebody being more important than others. So we're all on the same level that there's equal access to resources. Absolutely. You know, we're all on the same team. I've seen that uh, visual. It is very powerful. Uh, let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, what are your favorite things about being an AD? What gets you excited uh, about getting to school every morning? I love, I love people. And that's what we all do. We, we're in this, we're in a people business. We love coming to school. We love, I've always loved school. That's partly why I'm probably in the role that I am because I love school and, and athletics was the hook for me. I wasn't a great math student. I'm not going to tell you I was a scholar, but my hook was athletics and activities. I was in clubs, I was in drama. And so getting to see kids do whatever they do well, whether it is math, whether the science, whether it's, uh, the, the arts or activities or athletics is getting to see kids do what they love to do and grow in all of those areas. And so that's the big one for me. And I love to watch coaches coach. I love, I'm always going to be a coach, even though I'm an activities athletic director. I love watching coaches take kids as a group and take them somewhere where those kids didn't think they could go or even individually developing kids. So it's about people. It's about relationships. I love the people I work with. I uh, enjoy our kids, our, our community. Um, it's a great place, and I look forward to having back in the building. Though I want to see them face to face. I'm done with the Zoom stuff. I'm done with the virtual. I want to. I want to reach out and give them a COVID elbow. I want. I want to let them know that I care about them. Yeah, that uh, the coaching coaches. You just made me think of something. When I was coaching football, we would always have our seniors come back during spring ball. Uh, to help his coaches, and invariably, they they after a few days, they would all say the same thing. You know, I didn't realize how hard this was, but boy, it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, to hear those comments out of kids, and then to hear those same comments out of you know the veteran coaches that you have, uh, you know, very special to be an AD. Yeah. Well, Steve, we've kind of uh, flown through this. Uh, we've got to the end, and we always like to wrap up with what I call the athletic director's toolbox. Now you're a veteran AD and you're getting ready to send out a brand new AD on their first assignment, but I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. Uh, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but what are the three things that are going to go in Steve's athletic director toolbox? Well, I think the first one going back to kind of what we talked about before too, is don't, don't be afraid to work. Don't, don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and go to work. And I've always said this, I, I've never punched a time clock. If, if you're an AD that's looking at the clock to see if we're going to leave at four or five o'clock, you're in trouble because there is no time clock in coaching, teaching, or in being an administrator. Um, so be willing to work. And my favorite story of that was Pat Calvert was the secretary at Nebraska City Lords when I started. And I walked in and I said, and the copier was in her room. And I said, hey, Pat, I said, uh, could you make these copies for me? And she's a sweet lady. She looked at me, she said, Throny, I'm willing to help you out. It's right behind you. Make as many copies as you want. And it, what it taught me was you need to do some things yourself and you got to be willing to, to work. And so she was great, but she taught me a life lesson that be ready to work. And I, and I think that's big. You have to have that mindset that I'm going to work. The other one would be having a growth mindset. And that going back to some of the stuff we do in the NIAAA is we're always trying to grow who we are as a person and our coaches, we're always trying to grow our, our coaches and our kids. And so I think having a growth mindset and realizing how important it is to do things like your podcast and reading and getting to clinics and whatever, our national convention and sharing ideas and networking. And then the last one would be 
find people that are doing things at a high level and figure out what they're doing. But network, the net, net networking piece is so important because when you have a question, when I was a young AD, I would call five or six different people and, and ask them these questions. I'll ask anybody. I'll network with anybody at any time. Um, and Because I, I know that there are people doing things better than I am as far as systems go, as far as any of those things. And so I can, I can grab knowledge and pull it into my, my skill set. But at the same time, you got you to, as I'm an older veteran one, now I'm starting to get younger ADs that are asking me questions. And that's what my job is, is to share knowledge, but still pick from them. Well, hey, what are you doing? So I think being willing to network and reach out and, and find other people that can mentor you as you're a young AD is very important. Oh, I agree 100%. I don't think you can underestimate that importance of networking. Uh, coaches like to keep things close to the vest, and they don't always like to share. The ADs are just the opposite. You know, they love to share ideas and and anything, you know, anything good that that I have done at one of my schools, it was stolen from somebody else. So uh, uh, definitely get out there and network. No doubt about it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for uh, being a guest. Uh, I've truly enjoyed it. Uh, good luck this year um, as uh, Nebraska gets ready to reopen. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate the time. Hey, can I give a quick shout out to some of your Florida ADs? Oh, Jessica, absolutely. Jessica Upchurch. Cam Harrison's one of my favorite people. He runs the best hospitality room along with his wife, Drew. They're fantastic people. And then Kevin over at Coral, Coral Reef Athletics. He and I share ideas all the time, too. So shout out to you guys in Florida. I did sit on your uh, workshops in the spring, too. You guys did a great job with those. Those were fantastic. I appreciate you sharing. Keep doing the great things you're doing. Hopefully we'll all get back to doing what we do and that's work with kids and get back in the building. Well, thanks, Steve. Hopefully we'll see you and everyone else uh, in Tampa in December for our national conference. Looking forward to it. I hope it happens. Counting on it. Well, Steve, thanks again. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Come back next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.